<laughs> oh man, thank you so much, guys. Whew. What, what a day and what a time to, to need God. Amen. I mean, we've, we've needed him from the get-go, but boy, do we need him now. Amen. And so it, it is my heart and my hope that today some of the things that, that I share would, would help us be able to, to seek him, to, to know his heart, to actually get our guidance, get our thoughts, opinions, and our, even our motives and our actions from the very heart of God. But as uh, Tyler mentioned, I'm the mobilization director here at Antioch. And uh, boy, it has been quite uh, the journey. And so it, it would not be proper for me to like just move on into the message without first letting you know a little bit about myself, who I am, what I'm about, that kind of deal. Um, and so I actually uh, became part of Antioch about six, seven years ago. Um, but the ironic thing, um, to some, probably some of the disbelief of many of y'all, um, I was not the, I mean, y'all might see me up here jumping around, hooping and hollering during worship, like just encountering the glory of God. Guys, at my first life group I ever went to, I was totally the dude that like stood in the corner clenching onto the song sheet, just like, oh my gosh, please no one look at me, please no one pray for me. <laughs> like, okay, I'm just whispering worship, you know, that kind of deal. And so I, I, I grew up in this amazing uh, household, and I'm actually from College Station. So born and raised, I often tell the joke that uh, Tyler and Ashley have reached the indigenous people group, um, so through me, and so now I'm being commissioned to reach my own people, and uh, so it's like missions language, so bear with me. But, but anyways, so I, I grew up in an amazing church, had an amazing foundation, but I, I still grew up, and I, and I really didn't have this major external transformation, you know, like some people have the really amazing testimonies of like the drug addict or the, the prostitute or all, all that kind of, I was not in that category. I mean, I had a ton of stuff underneath the surface, so I was definitely struggling with things like depression, addiction, insecurity, and self-hatred, and it was like all from like just a misunderstanding of who I am and who God is, really, and so whenever I first came to Antioch, it was the first time I was really challenged to to seek God and allow him, or and really to, to hear his voice, to seek his heart, and to believe that I can actually hear, hear God, you know? And so that, that is the beginning of my journey. And it started with a ton of frustration, a ton of confusion of like, I have no paradigm. I have no idea. No one's ever told me that I can hear God and that he can speak directly into my life and that I can seek him and know him and be known by him. And so I started going on this journey, and, and, and actually just to give a little context and emphasis, you know how people, like the kind of the, the buzz question is, do you, do you know Jesus? Like when people ask you, like, do you know Jesus? That's like kind of how we gauge, like, okay, where, where are you at with God kind of deal. That, I was a Christian, and that question used to bug the heck out of me. I was like, what do you mean do I know Jesus? I mean, I believe, yeah, like I, I kind of went through the Christian traditional steps of like, yeah, I know he came and lived and died, and we say he like rose into heaven. I believe he's in heaven, but he's not here. He's not, I can't talk. To, I mean, yeah, we, we say he's alive and active and stuff, but like I can't talk to him. He's not here. And so I started in this journey. I just want to like confess on the front end, like I started this journey from a place of utter brokenness. It's not been pretty. It's been really messy, actually sorting things out, letting God look at an open and exposed heart and allowing him to do a work in me that 
has completely changed and like ru- ruined, so to speak, the, the, my life for him, you know, in the best way. Uh, Paul in chap- uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he says that I count it all rubbish, everything like beyond knowing Jesus. I count it all garbage. And so really that's my testimony yeah. is one of, yeah, it wasn't, I mean, you could look at it through worldly eyes and go, it wasn't that bad beforehand, but since I've met him, oh my gosh. Even, even now, it's so much better than I could have imagined, than I could have dreamt. And, I, and I'm still believing that the best is yet to come. And I, I'm believing that for every single one of you. So I'm hoping to impart some of that hope, some of that, even some of the practicals of like, what, how, do, how do I get there? And how do I go on this journey of knowing God and being known by him? And so first off, when we talk about prayer, um, I think most of us, when we, when we say prayer, we think of a, a Christian task or something that we're supposed to do that we don't do enough of, you know? And it's like when people say, like, well, have you prayed about that? Like, what, what does that even mean? You know, like, I remember, like, okay, there's only so many ways I can, like, ask God to help me with this test. So, God, would you help me with this test? In Jesus' name, amen, you know? So, like... That, that's like where I started, and that's probably where a lot of you are right now, and that's totally okay. But actually, um, and, and so what I'm, what I'm trying to point out is that a lot of us have a definition of prayer as being like asking God for things, or like see, asking God for answers, or provision, or, or pra- like tangible realities, you know, which he, yes and amen, he like provides all of our needs, he, he like answers prayers and stuff like that, but actually... Um, there's a scripture in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 1, where, where Paul is addressing Timothy, and he says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. I don't even know what prayer is, and he just said there's supplications, there's prayers, there's intercessions, there's thanksgivings. What are you talking about, Paul? You know, like, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. And so I'm like, I've heard prayer before, but what are the other things, you know? So I took it upon myself to do y'all the liberty of researching what those other words even mean. So according to the Oxford Dictionary, um, there are, so Paul said there are supplications. And so a supplication is the act of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. So asking God for things, you know, like that's what we just, a lot of us understand that. There's intercessions, the act of intervening on behalf of another. So some of you all know that we do uh, nation's prayer nights where we pray for uh, our teams of missionaries that are on the field with the Antioch movement. And part of our vision for why we do that is we're like, hey, we have family and loved ones that are serving faithfully in the nations, and we want to stand in the gap. We want to stand in the gap, and we want to, anytime you've ever prayed for someone, you are actually interceding. And so there's not only intercessions, but he also says there's thanksgivings, an expression, and, and this is, I thought this was really cool. The Oxford Dictionary says, uh, thank, the, the definition of thanksgivings is the expression of gratitude, especially to God. Amen. That's in the dictionary, like an, an expression of gra- gratitude, especially to God. And so whenever I looked up the definition of prayers, I saved that one for, for the last. And if I'm being honest, the definition just sounded like kind of like a combination of supplications and intercessions where it was like heavily on the asking God of things or standing in the gap. But here's the thing, y'all. I would like to actually propose my own definition of prayer to y'all. Y'all ready to hear it? So prayer is the place where our hearts 
converge with God's to become one. I'm going to say it one more time. Prayer is the place where our hearts converge with God's to become one. If if you're looking for a sermon title to put at the top of your note sheet or anything, I'm calling this from task to encounter. Because we're moving away from the days of where I'm just coming, doing a task, or I'm coming and just presenting something to the Lord, or I need something, so therefore I go talk to God, and we're moving into, God, I want to be with you. Would you line my heart up with yours? And that's actually the most important thing. And if I line my heart up with yours, then everything else will be taken care of. That doesn't mean I can't ask. That doesn't mean I can't um, stand in the gap. It just means the focus is him. The point is being with him. And so, um, so actually to help illustrate this definition, uh, I got my boy Josh Lewis to hook me up with a graphic. And so you'll see it up here on the screen in just a moment. Oh, the one right before it. Maybe. So anyway, if we, there we go. So there's where we start. So you already got the preview, the sneak preview, okay? (laughs) But you got our heart over here and you got God's heart right here. And as you can see with the arrows, we're trying, we're drawing near. We're coming near. And the goal is for our hearts and God's to be one. Oh my gosh, how many problems in our society would be solved in these days if we would just line our hearts up with God's like this? And so Next slide, we got our hearts moving together with God's in the place of convergence or where they meet is prayer. If any of y'all have like uh, studied or used Venn diagrams, you know, like in, in English growing up, it's the two circles and where they overlap and stuff like that. That's like how God illustrated to me his heart for prayer. It's like as our hearts draw nearer and as we meet with him, that like he defined, he's like, that's what prayer is. More, more so than asking him for things, doing things for him, it's being with him and aligning our hearts with his. So, all right. So another way you could put it is prayer is more about focusing on the presence of God than the provision of God. It's this like heartfelt conviction of like, God, if I am with you, everything else will be okay. My, I'm putting the, the top priority, the main point, the main focus of anything, all of life and everything in it is to be with you. And so, or um, here, here's another definition. I, 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 like, I, think, I think in terms of definitions, it helps me like process and, and, and identify what I'm going after. And so if you're a fan of uh, Chris Pletcher uh, speaking in this house, um, you know that Chris is a... Uh, a fan of alliteration. So here we go. Prayer is the place where we pursue his personal presence as a priority over his perfect provision. How do you like that one, Chris? I got you. I got you. See, I'm learning. Okay, say it again. Here we go. Prayer is the place where we pursue his personal presence as a priority over his perfect provision. There's eight P's in that sentence, by the way, y'all. Got them. Okay. So, but hey, uh, to, to, to illustrate, I don't want y'all to just like be hearing my words and be like, yeah, that sounds really good, Connor. Yeah, 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 like that sounds so sweet, you know? But we actually want to look at the word of God and see where this has been illustrated before. You ready? Okay, so we're going to go to Exodus 33, verses 1 through 3, where it says, The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, 
to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Pause right there really quick. God says, hey, I'm going to take you into the promised land. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take you. And not only am I going to take you there, I'm going to drive out, I believe it's six people groups or six kingdoms. I'm going to carve a way for you to enter into the promised land. But let's keep reading. Verse 3, it says, Go up into the land of uh, flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Ooh, that turned around really quick. <laughs> that, that went from really good, like, all right, hey, we're going to the promised land too. Oh, gosh, but God's not going with me. Not good. Game over. We don't want that. And so to give a little context for this, that was God's response to the whole golden calf incident. You know, when like Moses was up on Mount Sinai talking to God and they're like hashing things out and, and the people of God are down and they grow impatient. And so they say, we're going to make this golden calf and worship it. And it's going to be our God because we can actually see it, you know? And, and so that's God's response saying, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm done. I'm just going to get, you're just going to go into the promised land. And I don't know what his, what his plan would have been, you know, but he's like, the point is I'm not going with you because actually I'm so angry that I would consume you all the way, like along the way. <laughs> not good, you know? And so, so what do you say to that? <laughs> you know, like if you're Moses and you're like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. We're, we're sorry, you know? Let's skip ahead to verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses' response to God was, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Talk about wanting the presence of God, the nearness of God, more than your practical provision. God literally said, I'm taking you into the promised land. He still called it a, a land of uh, flowing with milk and honey. So the definition of the promised land hadn't changed. It's not like he was leading them into like the, the gates of hell or anything. Like it was still the promised land. But Moses, pure of heart and realizing where truly where his truest provision lies, says, actually, God, if you don't go there, it doesn't matter. Because I'd rather be with you than to have all the benefits and the things that I need. And what's also crazy this whole incident, this conversation took place when they had only been in the, they, they hadn't even been in the wilderness for a calendar year yet. Anyone know how long they were in the wilderness a total for? 40 years. 40 years. I wonder if Moses would have been that pure in heart if he knew, oh, we got 39 more of these, you know? But, but anyway, still, like, he still put his focus on the presence of God. I would rather be in the wilderness for 39 more years than to go into the promised land without you. That was what he was saying. That's what, that's what the expression of his heart was. And so I'd say that, that is what we're going for with prayer. And so what's the point? What's the point of prayer? The point is to draw near to God. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
I was actually talking with a, a good friend uh, this last week at Life Group, and we were just talking about life in God and, and like what it's like to seek and pursue the Lord. And the, the takeaway that we had was, man, he, he promised. He promised he'd be with us. He promised that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. He promised that if we knock, the door will be open. He promised that if we seek, we will find. He promised that if we ask, it will be given. He promised. And so it actually makes our like, heart posture pretty simple, if you ask me, yes. to believe the promise and to trust in the presence of God. It's like putting more, if, like, if, if I were uh, uh, a businessman or, or, or someone like investing in stock, you know, it's like I'm putting my stock in the presence of God more so than my experience, more so than my outcome, more so than my provision. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's the, the heart posture that we, want, that we want for all of this. And so, and how is this even possible for us to like draw near to God and have that access? You know, so like in the Old Testament, even with the example with Moses, Moses was just up on the mountain with Sinai by himself. It was just him. And the people of God just had to like hear through Moses whatever God was saying. And so... Um, how is this possible? We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, 13 through 18. And so just to clarify, how is it possible that we, like every single one of us in this room and every single one of you streaming in right now, how is it that we get to partner in that Moses reality of communing with God face to face and talking with him and, and receiving answers? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 uh, says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He broke down the barrier, y'all, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he himself, wait, wait, I lost my spot, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, through Jesus, we have both access uh, in, in one spirit to the Father. We have it. He did it. Jesus did it, y'all. Like, the, the whole separation and like, okay, Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with God and then sin entering the world and basically eternally separating them. We had no hope of getting back to him. We couldn't do anything good enough, perform well enough, please God, good enough. It just it wasn't in our DNA anymore. And we needed Jesus to intervene. And boy, did he do it. And he didn't just do it for our salvation, but he did it for our access here and now so that we could be children. So that in, in place of the separation, it talks about in place of the two, he creates one. Think of that heart graphic that was up there. In place of two, he created one. He led the way for oneness. And so it's finished. It's done. We have access. And so let's, let's believe and press in. Really, that's the invitation. The invitation is we can know God. Yes, Tyler even mentioned in his sermon a couple weeks ago, we don't always get the details, but the point of this sermon is we don't always need them. If we're with him, if the focus is on, on him and where he is, what he's doing, then it's like, I'm good. I don't have to worry about all the extra stuff. He's a good and loving father, so he listens. 
and he, and he does provide, but that's not the point of us seeking him out. And so really, we follow the example of Jesus. John 15, 15. Uh, or actually, we follow the, the words of Jesus. Just to reemphasize, I'm really trying to emphasize like the nearness, like the, the access that we have to God. Uh, John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants. This is Jesus talking. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. For all, all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. And yes, there's a process. Yes, there's a, a learning curve and you like grow and, and, you, and you learn to discern and rub and like, hey, share things with a friend. Hey, I feel like God was saying this. It sounds a little weird. And test it with scripture. Test it with your community. You know, like all these different ways that we want to like check ourselves, but it doesn't, that, but like the fear of getting it wrong shouldn't keep us from pressing in. Yeah, right. you, you know, like he's, he's open, like I don't think God's really that worried that we're going to mess it up that bad. You know, he's God, you know? <laughs> and so, so anyway, so instead of us being good enough and, and feeling righteous enough to go before the Lord to ask him for things, the new goal is faithfulness and obedience. Like, man, if we're just with him, abiding, abiding. He said if you abide, like he, he told us to abide in him and that he would abide in us and that apart from him, we can actually do nothing. And so it's like, man, how, do, how much do we believe that? Apart from Jesus, apart from the person of Jesus, we can actually do nothing. Like, it doesn't mean you can do a little good. It doesn't mean like, oh, this, this is all right. Like, no, no, you can do nothing. And so what, what does it look like to, to live a life as a believer that approaches the heart of God, the presence of God, and says, like, God, I have no agenda but loving you. I have no, no purpose, no point, no anything, but I enter in with, Jesus, I love you. And I have no, I have no agenda other than loving you right now. And so, so now, you're, I'm like, you're, or some of y'all might be like, okay, God, Connor, we get it. Like, love, love God, love, 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 like kind of ooey-gooey, you know, that kind of deal. But, but it, so provision is a real thing, but what I'm trying to like help us adjust our focus to is where that comes from. And so I'm going to share a quick story to kind of illustrate this working out in my life. And, and really, this is the story that solidified this revelation of like what prayer is in my life about a year ago. So some of y'all may or may not know, but my wife and I, um, which by the way, Kelsey's right here on the front row. Wave at everybody. Y'all, we are pregnant with our first son. It's a boy. And so he will be here mid-September. I'm so excited. It's going to be so fun. We, we did a baseball gender reveal, and it was oh, right, right down my wheelhouse. No pun intended. Um, and so anyway, to the story. So we, were, we, we served in Southeast Asia. For, we were part of the whole Engage the Islands initiative a couple years ago, if you remember that. And then we decided to hang around a little bit longer and uh, be a part of a team um, in Southeast Asia. And so being a part of this team, we were like uh, wanting to launch off of the island that we were on to go explore future areas that God was possibly wanting to move in. Because there's ton, I mean, there's not a shortage of lost people in Southeast Asia. So that's a little plug for that region of the world. I mean, unreached people groups where, I mean, you go and ask people like, hey, do you know Jesus? And they're like, who's that? Is that like your cousin? Is that your, your friend? Or like no grid, no grid, you know? Or if they even, and then even those that do have a grid, oftentimes it's like really warped and skewed with like local uh, tradition and rituals and witch doctors and all that kind of deal. So I'll try not to get too weird in that way. But, um, 
But anyway, so we were seeking out to, to go to these other islands and see where God was moving. And so our, our first initial team meeting of discussing where to go and who, who to go reach, um, we start hashing out, like, who just the, who are the most hardcore, like, against the gospel, you know? Like, who, who, who would be the most glorious to, like, bring into the kingdom, that kind of mentality where we're like, oh, yeah, it'd be awesome if we went here and did that and saw this, and we're making a game plan. And so our first wave of trips, and what we were planning on doing two waves of trips so that we could, like, get a really good sample size and even confirm the word of the Lord over certain places, hopefully. And so first wave... We strategize, we plan, and we go to three different locations, two of which uh, there was heavy, radicalized uh, Muslim recruiting, like going on in, uh, in these locations, and we were like aware of that, and, but we went anyway, just believing, like, hey, maybe God will move, you know, kind of deal. And then there's one other location that uh, one of our teams went, and initially, I'm, I remember thinking in my heart, like, man, I'm glad I'm not going to that location, that's... Kind of, kind of seems a little lame, you know. And it was, and it was an island that was predominantly uh, Catholic. By like, like you ask people, like, oh, I'm Catholic, you know, the kind of deal. Um, but really, there's a ton of like the witchcraft kind of stuff underlying all of it. So it's like very weird concept of of relationship with Jesus, or anyway, very weird. And so anyway, so we go to these islands and we behold the glory or we behold the favor of God. God opened doors and we went to some weird places and some far out places, saw, even saw some healing. And then when we followed up with the gospel, it just ran into hard heart after hard heart after hard heart. And I mean, we got nowhere. Yes, like there, there's vision for like this, every seed sown is good. Amen. Yes, yes, there was. But in terms of like trying to assess God, what are you saying and what are you doing? It was very clear that, okay, it's not this island's time yet. And so we, re, we regroup and we're all kind of like, okay, like what do we make of this? What do we do with this? And I mean, the Lord just convicted my heart of like, what if we just fasted and prayed and asked him where he's already moving and then just go partner with him there? And so our whole team, we, we fasted and prayed and we sought the Lord and sure enough, he highlighted that one Catholic island. <laughs> and which, by the way, from the first wave of trips, they actually did see salvation and they saw healing and like it was pretty cool. But we kind of were like, oh man, we're just so confused about the radical islands and hung up on that, you know? And so then we go into the second wave of trips. And so we take four teams to that same island and we all split up and go four different directions. And Kelsey and I led a team that stayed in like one of the main cities on that island. And guys, in three days' time, we saw 16 salvations, some of the most miraculous healings I've ever seen. Like, we're talking, like, o- older men that haven't walked in, like, uh, or one guy, uh, his name was Pak Yusuf. We were talking about his name the other day. Um, and he uh, hadn't been able to walk for three years from a stroke. And we prayed for him, and we felt like the Lord led us to, to like, wash his feet and serve him. And, and next thing you know, he was walking across his living room. <laughs> And even though, like, yes, clap, that's amazing. That's amazing. Guys, we cannot be bored with the, the miraculousness of God, you know? I, I, miraculousness, that's a new word. There we go, whatever. Um, and, so, and so anyway, and, and, but it wasn't just the fruit of that. As we, like, the Holy Spirit made a way for us to even get to his house. Like, literally, we're walking down the road. Holy Spirit says, turn left. Okay, turn left. The Holy Spirit says, look for a, a bull, like a cow, like, you know? And we're like, we don't even know what that means. And we're walking down the road, and there's a mural of a bull on the wall. And we're like, well, let's just stop here. 
it's, it's like so broken and like incomplete, but God is at the center of it. Yeah. Our, our provi- you know, I'm not going to say that quote yet. I'm going to save it for here in a moment. Um, <laughs> it's good. You're going to get it. So, um, and, and so we stop at the bull and we're like, well, what do we do? Of course, a person walks out of the house and goes, hi, how can I help you? And we just simply go, uh, is there anyone sick around here? And he goes, oh, yeah, come this way. And, like, takes us back, like, off this road, takes us to this man's house. We're, like, getting a following. So, like, there's, like, three different households that are following us, like, looking, like, what are these crazy Americans up to, you know, kind of deal. And then they behold a miracle, and they're all like, I want that. I want that. And so the point is we, we saw more fruit in those three days going to the place where God invited us to go than the place that we thought was best to go. Does that make sense? Like, we, like oh, don't, don't perceive this too weird. Follow me here, okay? Like, sometimes our own thinking can be quite a hindrance in prayer. We don't always know what we ought to pray. Even, even it's described that the Spirit prays with, like, groans too deep for words. You can go BBS later, you know? But, but it's, it's, it's true. Like, I just, it, the, the point is heart alignment, not the right words. And so... Anyway, what is the summary? How can I summarize that experience? Our provision is in his presence, not in our performance. Our provision is in his presence, not in our performance. And so, guys, we're about to take um, just a a moment. So I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come on up. And we're going to have ourselves a moment to, to open our hearts like when thinking about what is the most practical response for this time, it's simply to open your heart to God. To press in maybe further than you've ever pressed in, to, to incline your ear, to believe that, God, are you there? <laughs> and just open your ears, open your hearts. And so I, I have a bunch of other practicals that, that I could share on like how to pray and stuff like that. Um, but, but really... I think that if you incline yourself and get creative and go, whatever it takes to be with God, that it's worth it. And that, that is prayer. That is prayer. Whether it's intercession and you like rightfully stepping in the gap for someone, whether it's supplications and God, I don't know how we're going to pay rent this month and I need you to show up. But still, you're starting in the place of God, my provision's in you. It's not in, like, or my, my focus let me just say it real quick. Our provision is in his presence, not in my performance. If I'm with you, I'll be okay. And then asking him for things. And so anyway, we're going to take some time to respond and um, just open your heart to him. Open your heart to him. So I'm just going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, we even just take this moment right now to say we have no agenda. We have no agenda other than loving you no agenda other than loving you. So would you give us grace to not be distracted, to not be overwhelmed, to not be pushed down by the, by the world and the outside noise, but would you give us grace to enter in to, to your secret place? Not just in the mornings, God, when we spend devotional time with Jesus with you, but all throughout the day. As we live moment by moment, we don't wanna leave your side. You said that you would never leave us or forsake us, but we don't ever wanna leave or forsake you. And God, we just pray the same prayer that Moses said. If you do not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If you do not go with us, do not bring us up from here. 
We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.